I can't have that stuff mess up because I don't have someone with deep pockets that's going to bail me out, which means that my business actually has to be viable, has to be profitable, has to be working super smoothly. I looked him dead in the eye and I just went, why do you think that? Is it because I'm young or is it because I'm a woman? Over the past few years, my life has completely changed. I've built one of Australia's most successful e-commerce startups, Happy Skin Co., generating over 10 million per year in sales and disrupting a billion dollar industry in the process. I've now turned my passion for growth and personal development to bring you these honest and eye-opening conversations. This isn't just a business podcast. This is about the person underneath. This is about the journey. This is what it's really like. I'll be interviewing guests from all walks of life, each with their own unique perspectives and experiences, from the hardest day of their life to the biggest accomplishments and everything in between. My name is Dylan Mullen, and this is Life, Money, and Love. Today, we've got Harriet Wolf, founder of two epic businesses, uh, Hella Heels and Creatures of 19. I looked at that, you know? XIX. XIX. Yeah. Is, I was going to say, is it XIX or is it 19? Because so, it's like Roman numerals. Am I missing something here? Yeah, no, like it is Roman numerals kind of because mm. when I got my first sample, I was 19 years old. Just a baby. Yeah. So there is like the background for it mm. for that. But um, now we stuck with XIX and we're actually going to rebrand soon as well. So what, oh, it's exciting. You're not obviously going to tell me what you're going to rebrand to. But I remember thinking like in my head as well, I know Roman numerals, but whenever I, like, before I knew I was going to have you on and just when we were chatting, I saw it in your bio or whatever, I always thought it was creatures of six for some reason. And I know that's not six, but I'm just like, X, I, X, is it six? Whatever. Um, you just said something as well, which is why I wanted to start. Like, you, I remember we used to catch up and you'd say, like, I'm never going to do any podcasting or speaking or I'm not really <laughs> I think the, the phrase you used was... Calling like, me out at the beginning. ...was motivational shit. And then, to your credit, you... Like, like the time we caught up after that, you're like, nah, look, I'm starting to warm up to it. And when you launch the podcast, I'm going to come on. So you just said this is the first time you're ever going to speak properly on a podcast about the business. What, yeah, what no. changed? Um, you asked me nicely. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not against it, but I just, I've never spoken about the business in yeah a public forum, mm. never done podcasts. I don't mind listening to them. Um, but I think for me, I got it. I just had it pigeonholed in my head as like a bit. Can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I swear heaps. Don't worry. Yeah, a bit so wanky. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. is that a bad? That's, that's a bad even, one, that's though, nothing. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've always kind of strayed away from that. I think I've always, um, I don't know, had an issue with like certain things or mm. like on, entrepreneurial. I'm a this. I'm a that. I just didn't like it. I just kind of wanted to crack on with what I was doing yeah. and not try and you know, make myself a face or have it as like the Harriet mm. show. I just wanted to be designing, doing mm. my thing, bringing out great things. And yeah, so, but nah, we, we yeah. got on. I thought, why not? Yeah. And that's the thing is all well, so many other people will feel the same as you. And like, that's why I probably took a lot longer than I did to get into it because like, I didn't like, especially I was young. What was I, 23 or 24 when I launched the business? I was quite young. And like, you see all these 18, 19, 20 year old life coaches and I'm just like, it makes me cringe. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And I never want to act like I'm speaking down to people or telling people what to do, whatever. But the position you're in, whether you like, you realize it at the time, like you have so much value and knowledge to pass on to other people. And there's so many other guys or girls out there that probably think all that wanky shit like sucks anyway. So they're not looking for everyone mm. to come on and go, oh yeah, I made $50 million or hundred, you know, this is my, let me show you the fine. Like that's not. Yeah. That's not what I'm into. That's not what people are into. So I think Thanks what it is as well there. is I knew like a few of the business owners as we were growing and mm. 
they were talking about things in a way that I knew wasn't true in order to either make themselves look yeah. better or sell a program. And yeah, I just got snake oil in my head and I was like, no, this isn't this isn't what actually happened to them though. Or they kind of like run this story about being from like the hood or being really ghetto. Mm. And I'm like, no, I, I, I know you got a car as soon as you were old <laughs> enough and it was a fancy one and your dad paid for it. So don't give me all of this I've struggled business. So I think that kind of made me like step away from all of that well, stuff, but open minds. It's you one know? of the two, it's either that or it's um, they act like it, they're so good, they're so smart, everything came so easily, mm. there was no struggles, they never had slow periods with that sales, they never had times where they doubted yeah. themselves as a business. Everyone from the outside, if they look at your Instagram, everyone's just like, wow, life must, must be so easy for them, they must be killing it. But it's not the case. Selling the dream mm. without, well, maybe some people are having that dream, but there is so much struggle, there is so much sacrifice, there is so much loneliness. And so, yeah, I think hearing people just essentially say how great it can be and you can do it too, I was like, mm, it's not quite and, how I felt about that. And that's the thing as well. Like you mentioned like sell a program or a course or an event. I've gone to a lot of, you know, mentorship things and I've done a lot of things like that. And I, and I am a fan of those sorts of places, seminars, events, courses, but I'm not a fan of the way they sell it because everyone, and I, I talked to Joe about this, it makes me cringe. It's like everyone sells it. Like if you want to sell someone a course or a how-to, with whether it's e-commerce or whatever your niche is, it's always flicking through, look at all these $100 bills, I'm on a yacht, I'm yeah. flying private. I'm like is that really lifting like society just no. to, to only focus on the money and the wealth and not anything else? Like it's so shallow. And those those seminars, like I, I went to one. Again, maybe I should have more of an open mind and try more, but I went to one and it completely like shut me off from that world entirely mm. because – I thought I was going to get some valuable content, a bit of actionable stuff, some insight and how you can bring value to the world or be a better leader or a better manager or run your business a bit better rather than just kind of a load of waffle where there was not actually any specific actionable things around selling this idea of you can be me too. You mm, just have to sign it. up and if you sign up in the next 18 seconds, you'll get $1,000 off this $4,000 course. Go, go, yeah, go. And I'm whoever like, stands up first will get this bottle of champagne. Yeah. It's like, man, uh, I get yeah. it. Like they've, they've obviously probably been in the business and that's the way that they've tested and they yeah. get the most response. But to me, if I was ever doing anything like that, I couldn't do it like that because it just doesn't sit well with me on the inside. Also, I'm British, so I'm quite cynical. So mm. I remember at that same event, they were telling you to high five everyone around you. And there's this guy like ready to high five me. And I just sat there stone cold face. I must have seemed like such a bitch, but I was like, I'm just not into this and, at all. Like, like, all right, now hug the person next to you and stuff. And it's <laughs> like, they do it to bring... They say to bring everyone out of the shell and make everyone feel comfortable. I'm like, dude, I was comfortable. Now I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I'm not here to yeah. hug a stranger. Which Great. I understand what you're trying to do, but like, I just want to learn. And it might be really great for some people. I've not met any yet, though, that have actually gone, I went to this, I did this, and now look at me. Yeah. <sighs> but I don't meet that many no, people, no, I suppose. No, like, but yeah, I don't know. I just It didn't sit as well with me. That's why, actually, we met at kind of one, but not really. It wasn't like a yeah, seminar. We did like talks a, to like a small business mm, community in, in Sydney and that was good because I got asked to do like a little chat. Because you did the one chat. before me, right? Yeah, and that's how we met. But it was nice because you just talk about your story, you talk a bit about what you're doing. There's other current business owners there. Yeah. You're not selling any kind of dream. No. You're talking about something specific and then, yeah, that was a lot more wholesome and I felt like it added value and you got to have a nice morning and meet interesting people. That was only, that would have been like the second or third event I ever did as well. But you're not selling anything no, either. No, no, no. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, oh, I go to events and obviously I love speaking and, you know, I, I love educating myself and other people. So, like, there's a world where I would be in a similar position to some of these people, but I just think, 
I can't, I could never be the guy standing up on stage yelling at, okay, the next 10 people to sign up. Like it can't be like that. It needs to be like, I don't want to pressure sell anyone on anything I'm doing. I want people to make choices that's going to help uh, like empower themselves in their lives. Give them and the tools to do that's so. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. especially now that I'm not starting all the way from the bottom. It's not like I have a little bit of, you know, stuff on behind me that I don't need to make my money off mm. these people's hopes and dreams and yeah. insecurities. That's what doesn't sit right with me. Mm. But yeah, that one was fun. Was it breakfast? Breakfast with It was a breakfasty breakfast. thing. Business. Yeah. I don't know. Something for breakfast. Anyway, I want to get into some more of your story instead of just talking about all our <laughs> uh, meetings and meetings and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, you don't have you don't have a background uh, a, a background in fashion. You don't have a design degree. No. Nope. Um, but you did grow up. Um, on the sewing machine with your grandma, can I you tell did. me? I did. So my grandma had a sewing room and so I grew up being quite creative. She was always artsy anyway. So I knew how to sew um, to the point where I actually put the needle through my entire nail and finger one time. That was oh, fun. Um, yeah, it was really sore. But um, so, I, yeah, I grew up kind of making like little Christmas decorations or pillows or helping her make t-shirts she made like her own wedding dress she was really great I wasn't so much but it was a fun thing to do so I was always into it and then um as I got to like 16 I made a course at um at school and went like above and beyond like they were like you've ticked all the boxes you'll get your grade don't worry and I'm like no but I want to do this extra ruching or I want to do this like did really love it um and then to be perfectly honest the reason I didn't go down that path is because I was told that the fashion industry was really bitchy and I was like, I really don't want to be surrounded by toxicity. Where, where were you from back home? A place called Stoke-on-Trent. 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 Where's that, like, uh, geographically? It's like, in between Manchester and Birmingham. Okay, so north. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It's yeah. great. Like, I can call Sorry, it a so shithole, but if anyone else calls it anything but I'm like, oi, no. Yeah, see, like, I grew yeah. up in a shithole, like, Preston. Well, not Preston's isn't a shithole, but, you know, Liverpool. Like, Liverpool's a bit of a hole. But yeah. I kind of like growing up in those sorts of places because, like, all the people that, you know, had like daddy's money mm. and went to like private schools. Not that everyone turns out like this, but so many people could become like conceited and they just, they don't have that full worldly experience of what it's like to come from different places and like yeah. talk to people with all different backgrounds. So I think it's, yeah. And to I, see I like, like actual struggles and to value like money more, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was told that it was bitchy and I was like, I don't want to be surrounded by that toxicity. Went off to uni to do marketing because I felt like marketing was really good because I was always quite business minded ever since I was little, um, like designing my own businesses to start up and anything stupid stuff like a rabbit hutch and then like figuring out how much the wood would cost and how much you could sell it for but it was like a three-story really plush is this rabbit situation this is when i was little little yeah oh, i didn't do everything like so it's i was so always into business so i thought that marketing would be great because it was like business but also the creative side of it too and then i went into corporate and to be fair my corporate job like i loved and i got on with the people around me but it was still political and it was still bitchy and i was like why am i not doing just what i, I actually love um and i do love fashion and i love creating things so how old were you at this point when you like started in corporate and you're starting to think uh this fresh, might not be fresh out of uni actually I got offered a job before I finished uni so I was getting the train up from London to Newcastle upon Tyne to do my exams so there was a bit of an overlap but it was a good job um so I like I wanted to take it so I kind of like juggled that a little bit so I'd have been 21 is it when you finish uni like in that. Australia, I mean, I went to uni for like two months, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I saw the whole thing through. And also, like, I got I got a first-class degree. Like, I worked really, what really hard. 
Newcastle upon Tyne, so Geordie Shoreland. Ah, yeah. the Geordies. The Geordies. It was great fun. Loved the party. Worked really hard. Got the degree. Went along the path that everyone says you're going to and thought to myself, like, I'll be able to have money. Money is, is important. And be free. And especially mm. when you've grown up not having as much money. Like, you want to... You want that in order to have your freedom and to be able to travel and to be able to treat your family. So I thought that that was the path I would take. And then when I got into corporate, I was like, to live the life I want, I'm going to be waiting a long, long time because, well, pay in Australia is a lot higher, but pay in London, oh, you were you were struggling even if you were with a really? good company. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's sure. the thing as well. It's not only it's like, okay, yeah, I'll do this. I'll get a really well-paying job. Well, first of all, after 10 years, And then you're, you're like, lucky. is this it? Oh, this and, is what I worked really hard for. And then you're a slave and you give up like, okay, if you're earning really good money enough to kind of set you, yourself up with a good life and you can provide for your family and like, you've, like the people around you, you're going to be earning a lot of money in corporate. And to get there, it's going to take like 10, 15 years. And like, what are you going to trade of your soul in the process? And then you're still always going to have to be like. It depends on your person though, because mm. some people that will really suit. And you know what? Sometimes especially like when you're going through rough times, I'm like, I really wish that actually I had my paycheck, I knew what it was, I could finish at the end of the day, go home and shut off. And like, how glorious it'd be to have a weekend. Because when I started this business, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have all this flexibility. I can train when I want. So like, if there's certain like dance classes I want to go to in the morning, like I can do them then. And I'll have all of this time so that the work can work around my lifestyle. Ha, 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 ha. No, didn't happen. Don't know what a weekend is. Like, it's been really hard. So yeah. sometimes like... It, it, it is a struggle and, and I do think that some people are more suited to more the corporate life and good on them. They probably have like way nicer evenings half the yeah. time and way better weekends. So it, it depends, I think. Well, why do we put ourselves through that? So why, why, why do you do what you do? Why do you put in all that work? Um, well, a couple of reasons. Because you're right. You can have a relaxing nine to five job. So many people are mm. more than happy to do that. You go home, you have your evenings free, you have your weekends off. Why, why don't you do that? Um, there's a few reasons. Firstly, I do think that I actually am so passionate about my businesses and what I do. Like, I'm not building a business to sell it. I, I love it. Mm. They're not, it's not just like the designs I love. It's not just like the fact that I get to do the marketing in, in a way that I want and be able to create and do these photo shoots and like live the life that I, that I enjoy, which you need to when you're working seven days a week. But um, I feel like, I don't know, the whole brands have been built around, like the DNA of the brand is is in me. Like I've put so much into it over the years and I, I love them. So I feel like, A, I do it because I love what I'm building. It's something that I'm just genuinely, inherently passionate about, like my children and my and that, children. So that's the first thing. Second thing is I am a pusher. I think I'll always push for more. Mm. I really wish I could just happy and like settle a bit but I'm always looking at the next goal which maybe means I'll never be truly like fulfilled but I think that's more of a mental thing I need to I work on but I'm a pusher thing, that's what I mean like I used to be the same I used to be the same I used to be you know 8 a.m to 10 p.m Monday to Friday mm. and then I'd work pretty much all the Saturday and I'd give myself about half a Sunday off and then you were saying all these things like oh I'd love to take weekends off but I can't maybe you can like yeah, I, I definitely need a periods work of business. Balance. There's periods of business when it does need 99% of your focus, but I don't think it's sustainable. 100%. I, I'm definitely burning out way too much. That's been like my biggest challenge for sure. And there's just been like so much going on, as there always is, though. That's the thing. But um, like we were saying downstairs, so I just got back from the Formula One. Yeah. And 
went away for the weekend, had like some amazing times with really good friends that I've known since back in uni, so like 10 years ago now, 11 years ago. And then I drove back from Melbourne, so it was an eight-hour drive, a lot of thinking driving, time. Eh? Yeah, yeah. But I drove all the way back... Yeah, because we, we left the flights too late. <laughs> yeah. So um, we drove all the way back from Melbourne. That was eight hours. And then I came back and then I had to teach two pole dancing classes. Mm. And usually I turn up to the classes and I'm exhausted from my yeah. day at work. I was buzzing. And even on the drive on the way back, there'd been a few changes in the business the week before. And I was like, a few problems, a few things to solve. Rather than like just being tired and trying to keep on top of my workload over the weekend, I came back with so much clarity, so much more focus. And I was like, right, I need to really get a supportive team together, structure this and be able to take more time because actually when I take time off, I come back like a gun. Yeah, like I'm yeah, on yeah. fire and I just, I'm hyper-focused and I have that clarity rather than just constantly working yourself into the ground. And in the beginning, I didn't mind doing that. I loved what I was doing so much. I was obsessed. So I was working all weekends. You have and to be 11, 10, uh, 10, 11 at night, you're finishing, you're still up at like six in the morning and you know, you're like working all the day, but it actually energizes you because you're doing what you love. But then as you grow a little bit more and you're having to deal with more problems and the problems are bigger and there's people to like answer to and there's customers and there's staff and all of that lot, yeah, definitely need more breaks for that, sure. That's the thing with like you got to understand if you're in business, there's always going to be problems mm. and like is like that's one thing to handle if you love the business. But if you don't really love the business you're in, you're not going to be able to do it. For me, if I've ever had times where I'm like burning out or I, or I can't do it, it's got gone to the point with me at times, this is a couple of years ago, towards what year now, 2022, 2020, where I was honestly, I was so close to selling. I just couldn't be bothered anymore. And I actually I got to the point where I was like, okay, I spoke to our finance manager. What would the process look like if, if I wanted to, to, to follow this through? Just gave me a rough outline. We didn't actually speak to any brokers or anything. But then I took, I took a month off or not fully, but I took most of December. I went down to Melbourne and then I came back and I was like, oh, maybe I, you know, it was being a little bit of a sook. So I think it's so important <laughs> to just give yourself that break. Like if you're so in love with what you do, you don't need a lot, but you, if you don't give yeah. like, cause you said one thing and, and, and anyone who owns a business can, can relate managing burnout, but how do you actually manage burnout when all the pressure of growing your business, keeping like, keeping like the lights on everything, the pressure, all of that is on your shoulders. And when you're like, when you're the founder, when you're the CEO, when you it's it's all on you. There's no one else you can turn to and it gets tough. Yeah, I think I'm learning. I've definitely over the years learned to have thicker skin on different things. And as you grow, you get thicker skin on when there's a manufacturing problem. Like I've had so many that kind of have overcome that now. And then there'll be a new set of problems with, with um, like the last year, there'll be a new set of problems that have nothing to do with manufacturing. And again, it's like getting that thicker skin and then you learn and then it's stuff that in the future you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't take it as hard. You wouldn't you wouldn't allow it to kind of affect you as much. I think because I do love my businesses so much, I've never wanted to drop the ball on anything. And I think I'm slowly coming to accept that actually some things are going to go wrong. And if it means that I have a more work-life balance or that I can rest and just prioritize the really important things and accept that, you know what, this person may not get an answer and that means that that thing might go wrong, but it wasn't the full priority and having the thick skin to know that stuff's going to go wrong or, you know, someone is going to be like hounding you because they still need information on something or other, whatever it might be, just understanding that some stuff is going to go wrong, which is really hard when you care so much about your business and what you do, but it, it can't be perfect. So with that, do you think you've become more or less of a perfectionist over less. Me too. Less, 100%. And that's weird to tell to people sometimes when they don't have a, 
a business. Like you think with success, you become more of a perfectionist, but really you got to fight your battles. You have to, and you can't and let it, everything emotionally get to fight you your battles be too. too much. That's the thing. Emotionally, it's not just okay. I'm gonna like freak out, and I'm not gonna sleep until this is done. It's emotionally because at the start, like the first year, two years of business, everything is this emotional high, low, stress, excitement, whatever it is. But now it's like I try and I, well, I've noticed not necessarily try like. I don't get as high from the wind and I don't get as low from the losses. I try and keep everything just like logical, like step-by-step decisions and a process because. And try not to overthink it. Like yeah. just go with you often like, yeah, I'll weigh up the pros and cons a little bit, but you, you don't have time to do that with everything. So you've just got to go with your gut, make the decision, stand by it. And if it's wrong, you can try and like, you know, change or pivot or whatever it might be, but just make the decision. Don't let things linger yeah. um, so that you can move forward. I think just going with your gut all the time. Yeah. All right, let's. I want to hear the story of kind of, because obviously you have two very like unique brands with yeah. unique products. First of all, give like, let everyone know what, what are the brands and, and what, what do you sell? And then I really want to like paint the picture of like how, like where you were, how you started the brands and then like each little step along the way. Yeah. Well, Creatures of XIX has been going for, six and a bit years now and from when we actually launched not from when I got the first samples and all that kind of stuff that was a bit before um so that is a clothing brand designed originally for pole dancers the first exciting product that we got was gecko grip leggings which were leggings that could grip to the pole now I'm not about like covering up I love pole dance and I love the like it feels taboo and I think that's why a lot of people are drawn to it it's becoming a lot more mainstream now yeah you well I I think it, it has anyway. been for a long time though. Like you, oh, you always yeah, know yeah, someone yeah. who does it and it is addictive. So it's not like, you, I don't really know that many people that will do it for a couple of months and then stop. Like a lot of people, they start and then that's it for them. That's what yeah. they love to do. So, but I didn't want people to cover up, but in the UK it is bloody cold oh, yeah, and you yeah. need your skin to grip to the pole. So I wanted to develop a product that we could actually put on, not have to like get off into something akin to swimwear, just stay a little bit warmer and be able to pole dance. So also that's for beginners why you did it's it. good. Yeah. Ah, okay. Also for beginners it's good because I feel like, you know, you don't have to show as much mm-hmm. as much flesh and stuff. But yeah, genuinely I, I just wanted to keep a bit warmer. I was so cold and I was a student and like you can't afford heat in and it's cold. It's so they're really like cold. the tights that grip to the Yes. Do you have tops as well? Or you uh, don't we need now that have so much? Yeah, we have tops now a little bit, but more bodysuits because you need the sides of your stomach and your mm. legs mostly. So we have bodysuits, we have the tights, and that was the first product. So we launched that alongside stocking another brand's product just to try and build up a bit of capital and um then I was like screen printing T-shirts along Parramatta Road on a Saturday because this is when I was still working full time. Um, so you so were then working we full time in Australia. I was working full time in Australia for the first okay. six months. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. in that time, I was screen printing the T-shirts on the weekend, and then yeah. So we had like a few products, but the problem was with the grippy leggings, which was was the big product. We would order like 200 units and then we launch and then it would sell out and we'd be like, great. And then we'd have to wait four months for the next ones because it was all the organic growth. So over time, we evolved and brought out like a load of pole wear, street wear, lounge wear. We now work with a lot of like mainstream dancers as well. So like commercial heels, hip hop, street, all that kind of stuff. Um, So, yeah, the brands kind of like sexy active wear now. right? Yeah. Yeah. A bit a bit edgier than a lot of brands, I think. And. Yeah, we like to make a statement and like push, <laughs> push the boundaries a little bit. So that was the Creatures of XAX brand. And then Hella Heels started three years ago in May. So yeah, it's nearly three years old now. Wow. Um, and because the shoes are heavy, 
um, and a lot bulkier. We actually have distribution set up from the UK, Australia and the US now just to service customers better because if you need to change your shoe size and it's going to take you, what, two weeks to ship the product back, get another one through. And then for it, you, the cost to ship it. The cost of the shipping or the cost for the customer if it's an exchange if they order the wrong size. Yeah. Um, so Hella, the brand name is because in Californian slang, Hella means hell of a lot of. And <laughs> for anyone that's seen Hella Heels, like they yeah. have a six to nine inch platform yeah. depending on which you go for. So it's really, really big and it's amazing for like pole dance. So we're, we're very much in niches, which yeah, yeah. has been amazing actually because it meant in the beginning our growth was organic, like Facebook groups. Yeah. Just speaking with friends like, hey, can you post this? Like we, we were, I'm in the community. I am my yeah. customer. So um, yeah, so for strippers, pole dance, hobbyists as we like to call them, people who do it for fun, fitness, well, that's just for That's what dance. I mean. That has exploded. I know so many yeah. girls that do it. And like, it's huge. They love it. Like, everyone shares it on their story. I'm like, this is sick. The last, I feel like since COVID, I've known like 10 people that started doing it just for fun. Mm. And that's only the ones that put it on their story. Who knows how many other people are doing it just, you know, for exercise or whatever. Well, I used to teach um, at London Dance Academy and we had hundreds of students coming through our door every single week. Hundreds. And it wasn't that big of a studio, and this was seven years ago. Wow. So it's always, yeah, it, it's really quite big. Um, so, yeah, that's been pretty amazing. And then also we have, like, the cosplay, the drag queens that love that's the shoes it, as yeah. well. Um, so, yeah, Hella Heels and Creatures of XX. So we've got the clothing, and then we've got the, the shoes as well. So I thought, for whatever reason, I thought you started it back home, and then you moved to Australia. I kind of, I kind of did. Like I sort of started it, and then I came to Australia for six months, and then I went back to the UK for ten months, and that was when I worked full time on it. So when I quit my job in Australia after the six months, or left after the six months, did um, you have to do like farm work and stuff? No, I never did. Ah, uh, is that uh, why you went back? No, I went back because we. I went back because the university that I was at actually had like um, a foundership program, it was called. And essentially, they just gave me free desk space. Um, but yes, my visa would have been up and I'd have needed to figure out something or other. And I just wanted to do my business. So yeah, and then I came back on a student visa and did that on the side. So where were like paint? Like, okay, so you're in... I've been moving around a what's, lot. What's that place called? Are you from again? Back home? Something. Stoke on Trend. Stoke on Trend, far out. I, we I, have I, Robbie Williams and Lemmy from Motorhead. And now There's you. The claim for so you're in Stoke on Trend. Yeah. To whatever. Uh, what like? When did you decide? Like, what was going through your head when you decided I'm just going to Australia for a holiday and you loved it, or I'm no, going to move like, my whole life there? As soon as I finished school, I moved up to university. So I moved up to Newcastle, which is like four hours drive north. I lived in uni for two years, and then I got a internship for a year at Warner Brothers so I moved down to London for a year and then I went back to uni to do my final year at uni and then I moved back to London on the crossover because then I got hired by Warner Brothers um full time so then I moved back to London then I was in back back in London for a little bit and then I moved over to the distribution company that distributes the stuff for Warner Brothers here and did that six month here and then left for my job uh, okay yeah so I wasn't just like a one day you woke up and moved everything over I knew I wanted to leave Stoke from a very early age yeah, yeah. so yeah as soon as I was old enough did you move out of home young or um 18 yeah I didn't fucking move out of home to so much later I I, I, I nothing wrong with being at home but like I just feel like I missed out on so much opportunity to explore the world. I think a lot of people do move out in the UK, though. I think in Australia, because unless you're going to get a flight to Melbourne or something, whether you're going to college or uni or whatever, you're still in Sydney. Yeah. Also, it's Sydney. And it's, it's expensive. expensive. <laughs> yeah. So you don't really have the 
yeah, it, it's it's not the same. I think a lot of people here in Australia live at home for a lot longer. Mm. Yeah. Well, like, okay, you're from, like, you're back over from, from England if no one's realised from the accent by now. Um, and then you're in Australia running two businesses, which is stressful as it is. What's that like? Do you get, like, do you ever get lonely or? All the time. Mm. Yeah. I think um, I definitely used to feel more stable. I think um, it is. It's a lonely, like, people don't understand and you don't have, like, a person to go home to and they won't really get what you're, what you're feeling or what you're going through. Um, so it does get lonely. And I think definitely in COVID, I really personally struggled because I was living on my own. I was away from my family. Um, you just don't really have much human interaction. And even with your family, I can't call them up in the middle of the day because I want to chat because it's the middle of the night for them. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, I really missed home actually in that time. What did you do? When did we, when was that last time we caught up? Was that coming out of one of the lockdowns or it was like kind of in between so. the two? It might have been in the middle. Yeah, it was so rough. Like even for me, like I'm from Sydney. I love all my friends and family that I grew up with within mm. like half an hour drive at max. And even me, like – I didn't so much feel lonely because I was by myself here, but it's like when you're in the office every day with the team and you're working, you kind of get that collective energy and mm -hmm. like everyone's energy, like it bring you up and like you fight the battles together and you celebrate the wins together. But when you're doing that all at home by yourself, like you know how lonely it can be. And I don't say that in a way that I, I it, to like I'm trying to get like sympathy or anyone business trying to get sympathy. But when you're like, especially when you're the only one that really fucking cares about the business to that level, there's so much pressure on you to perform and there's literally no one that you can go to. Like you can't say, okay, I couldn't figure this problem out. So either you figure it out or you don't. And I just feel like that in itself is a challenge and then throw on everything, everything. all the stuff. Yeah. No, I think um, I really take mental health a lot more. Not that I never – not that I never used to not take it seriously. Like I've had anxiety since I was younger. I used to be on meds when I was like 15, mm. 16, 17 or whatever, just standard anxiety kind of medication. Um, but that period, like I really got the whole mental health thing and I really wanted to make sure that I built a life and a workplace and an environment for people that they would hopefully be happy in because, yeah, my mental health was absolutely shot in that time, to be honest, like it was a struggle. And when you're on your own and you're just like, in a little apartment and things are dark and you're having to like run these businesses, but you're not having any inter human interaction. You're far away from your family and it's going on for months and months and months. Yeah. You can turn stuff like I definitely have smoked so much more. Like I'm really trying to quit, but I was smoking heaps. I was definitely drinking way too much. Like it's definitely not. Yeah. It's not an easy road and you've got to like keep that in check. I was way too familiar with the wine for sure. It was just something to do. Yeah. It really was. Like in the evening, I'd be like, and I've got a few more hours work to do and I've got to do this, but like I'll treat myself and I'll drink wine while I'm doing At it. At least you've got to make but that, like, yeah, it's not good to, to, to do long term. And like, I don't like advocate using that as like a mental health tool. But like when you, there's nothing Even though else in you the moment, do. it really helps. No, but yeah, <laughs> but it, it didn't. But, I, it, but I thought it did. At times in moderation, like if you know there's nothing you can do, but you have to do this work mm -hmm. and you're sitting at home and you've been home all week and it's Friday night and it's 8 p.m. And like you've got two hours of emails to reply to or whatever, having a wine and like having whatever on, like just those little like moments of self-love mm. can go a long way. And I don't, yeah, like what are all the statistics that came out from like all the liquor industry? Like consumption went up like 200%. Yeah. Like everyone was doing that more. But it's just like. You just got to keep it in check. You you just got to, yeah, you got to keep it in check and you got to make sure that you're not using it to cope, which I think I definitely was problem. when we yeah. were in the full lockdown and you couldn't do anything and you go for your stupid mental health walk in the mm -hmm. morning and then you get home and you're like this is still miserable isn't it <laughs> like it, yeah 
that's, keeping it in check. That's the thing. And actually, pole pole dance did really well in that time because um, a lot of studios were really dynamic and they went to like online classes and stuff. And people were using it just to stay sane, like doing the little workouts at home, doing the pole at home. So I was really worried coming into lockdown. I was like, oh my God, like people aren't going to need dancewear anymore. They're not going to want a nice new pair of shoes. All of the strip clubs are closed too. So that's going to be a nightmare. Um, but we were actually, we actually did really, really well over the lockdown. I know e-commerce did in general, but people were still dancing at home Um Clubs were closing, but in different areas of the world. So like when the UK was open, Australia was closed and vice versa. So at least we could yeah. just like pivot and focus on certain markets. And I also just think that people really wanted to like treat themselves because they're not paying for holidays. They weren't going out on the weekends and spending like stupid amounts on like, yeah, different bars and stuff like that. And so I know that I was getting packages to my door and I was like, oh my God, I forgot I even ordered this makeup. Like I just... I was just online shopping because it felt good. It was the thing that made me feel good. That's and that's okay. Yeah. And at least you're supporting other businesses then. The economy is still okay. That's Ish what I in thought. That yeah, 100%. Because, like, obviously we had a similar thing. Like, it was good in the sense for our business that laser clinics were shut. Mm. But then also no one was going out. No one had a dress to wear, a party to go to. No one really had anything. But I just think during that time, people, anything that they could do to keep them feel sane – whether and make themselves feel know, better. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, 100%. I and, did. And I no was one, real bad with it. And no one as well. And that's where I think we're getting to that age, I suppose, you know. But I also think as a society, COVID did this to everyone and made people take mental health more seriously. Because, you know, he said, okay, I started taking mental health more seriously. It's like no one really does that until you have a need to do it. Because, mm. like, I remember the first time I had to take mental health seriously, I think I would have been about 21 or 22. But it felt like before that, I could just wake up every day and, and you don't re remember exactly what was going through your head. Wake up every day and you were effortlessly happy. Mm. And like everything was easy. There wasn't this like whatever. And then the first time like you experience any sort of mental health issues, whether it be like at clinical level or just like a couple months where you're feeling down, mm. was that time the first, well, I think really the only time I've ever really got down was probably about 21, 22. And I was down for this period of like, probably two, three months. And it was the classic, like, I, I, I don't even know, I don't know if it was real depression or if it was just like a, a, a minor bout, bout of that, but like you'd wake up every day and you wouldn't feel motivated by the things that used to motivate you and you wouldn't get excited by life. And like, you just want to sleep and watch TV shows in yeah. bed and, and eat crap. And, and eat, you know, it's yeah. bad when you wake up in the morning and the first thing you feel is like sadness and you're like, Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. I think being around people and just being free to travel, to see your family, to do all that kind of stuff, it it, it shows you the reason why you're doing what you do. Mm -hmm. But then when you just sat at your laptop and you're in lockdown, it, yeah, you don't you don't get that same excitement. You don't get that same drive. Um, so it was really hard to like still push the business forward and still make all the launches exciting when you just sat on um, your own. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing for me. I had to to get out of that little rut. I had to like do a big change. I think that was when I was working in corporate as well and doing a little bit of acting. It's like, no, I'm going to commit to one thing. And I got out of that, thankfully. And, you know, the way that I got out of that was, you know, setting really clear goals, new goals that excited me because what I was trying to do before mm. didn't excite me. So I needed to re-clarify what I wanted and then put steps in place. And then, okay, I can see where I'm going with this. And just by doing that excited me. And then there's been so many other things I've done since then implemented into my life to manage mental health because, Managing mental health is a full-time job. Mm. 
what have you done, whether it be since COVID or just to help you cope through business or living on the other side of the world? Is there anything that stands out? You got your, you mentioned before your, your mental health walks in the morning. Is there anything that really helped you? Um, I mean, they were just when we were doing lockdown. Um, I'm probably not the best person to ask. Ask me in a year yeah. when I'm out of it better. Okay. Yeah. But um, definitely structure, exercise, getting out in nature. That's something that I miss doing that I want to do more. And like I say, like the Formula One or just going for a drive in the car, like those sorts of things will really energize you. Even yeah. if you feel tired, you feel like, oh, I can't really be bothered to do this. But once you're doing it, if it's something that you love, yeah. you're out in nature, you're going on a walk through the bush, well, whatever what is, it might What be. is pole as in the exercise? Like, what is it for you? Uh, have they conjoined like it's all one passion, the businesses and pole, or is that more? Pole for me is separate to the businesses, yeah. 100%. I mean, obviously I am my own customer and I'll test my products and it's a little bit of that. But when I go to the studio or when I'm teaching, I guess it's just a bit of an outlet. Like I don't do it for fitness. Um that's a happy byproduct. Mm. Um, I just like to put on music, dance, makeup, choreography. I feel like a kid again. Like I'm like making up a dance. Right? I'm making up a dance to a song I really like and I'm going to keep replaying it and doing different bits until I feel like the choreography goes or trying to learn a new trick. Like there's that feeling of... Um, play, like true yeah. play. And then like tick, I did that trick. Like woohoo, I've, I've done it. Like I figured it out. I tried 10 times. It's a feeling of achievement. Yeah. So yeah, achievement and play and seeing those progressions. How long have you been doing that? You've been doing it for ages, huh? Yeah. Uh, like ooh, 10, 11, maybe 10, 11 years, but there's been huge stints where I've not really done much yeah. of it. Like there was quite a few stints where I was only training once a month, which you're not going to get any better yeah. with. And then there was huge stints where I was injured, so I wouldn't dance for like six months, eight months. So yeah, 10 years and all, but yeah, there's been some some big breaks there. Growing a business without mm. investment. Because there's so much more challenges, particularly like I know you told yeah. me a story one time. I think it takes longer. Ab about how much work goes into creating that mold to make these shoes for the first time. Yeah. And to do that without investment, it's like everything needs to be reinvested back into the business. So you can't live this life where you take out, you know, 90% of your profit because, hey, look at me. I'm Harry. I'm going to buy a little boat and go out and travel business. But like that work you have to put in when you're doing it without investment it's so different, like, to do everything off your own back. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, I think, obviously, I'd have gone a lot quicker mm. if we had more money because we wouldn't be sold out for long periods. And if we get a faulty batch, we don't have to, like, take a little step back and order less units and all of that kind of stuff. So without investment, I think it's good. It's freeing because I don't have anyone else to, like, answer to or report yeah. to or tell how we're doing. But I, I do think that... We could have gone, I could have grown a lot quicker and, and access new markets, I think, with investment. But also, I'm proud because it's all been organic and, you know, you, you screen print 12 t-shirts, you sell them, and then two weeks later, you can screen print 24. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. just the way it's it just... is. It takes a bit longer, but I feel like you have to be really good at what you do and you have to have your eye on all the different balls and make sure everything works. Because I do know of some businesses that get investment and still not turn in profit or yeah. they're actually not functioning that well. Why? Because they don't need to. Because if something messes up, money will be thrown at it. Whereas I can't have that stuff mess up because I don't have someone with deep pockets that's going to bail me out, which means that my business actually has to be viable, has to be profitable, has to be working super smoothly. That's the thing as well. And that's what so many people, again... 
And and so many people will take the investment and they won't mention anything and then they'll act like, yeah, I've just got this massive office for 50 staff and I'm going to hire 20 people next week. If someone's hiring 20 people in a month out of nowhere, it's because they got investment. Mm. But that's the thing as well. When you're doing it off like your own But then is back, it overkill? Like do you actually you don't. need that many staff or could nah. you be putting that money into another oh, place, be so et cetera, much et cetera? Yeah. And do so you need a fancy wasted. office? Absolutely not. Yeah. Do you need to fly business class? Absolutely not. Like there's better places to be putting in that money. And that's, that's how it is. I remember um, – I can't remember what time period it was in, but I made, oh God, this is awful, but I made a hundred grand and I was really excited about it. And I celebrated with an $8 bottle of Carver. Like all this money's yeah. coming in, but I've got to reinvest that and I've got people to pay and this to do and, you know, new collections that I'm really excited about. So that money goes straight back into the business to fund the next quarter's mm. activities and photo shoots and everything. And there's me with like, literally the cheap like the kind of stuff you drink when you're a student that's how i celebrated for so long yeah that's I, what I did i don't get i don't un, I, because I just, why would i what buy an 80 dollar bottle and then it, i mean i have at times but, yeah, yeah, yeah but um buy that and then that's just less money for putting in and yeah when you don't have investment you have to make sure that every penny goes a long way that's why we don't have marketing agencies that's why i do yeah. it myself because that marketing agency won't work as hard as I will, won't care as much as I will, and isn't isn't my own customer, so they just won't do as well. Yeah, don't get me started on agencies. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure some are good, but no, no. for us it's like I would prefer to spend all the money I can on the actual ads and not pay someone who's going to do a half-ass job because, to be, to be fair, it's not their business. Yeah, I look, from my experience, Byron, I, I don't mind agencies that serve a specific purpose, but these full-service marketing agencies that market your business, they write your customer personas, they do all your email marketing, they create your, like you're just outsourcing the most important part of your business. That's your voice, your messaging. Yeah. Like what is going on? And like the over promise and under deliver yeah. and like, it's okay. Nine to five. If you want to book a change, you need to two weeks notice so we can book like the man hours. And I'm just, ah. Oh, and then it's just a lot of money. Yeah. Me. Paying someone else to do something as opposed to putting it into a way better photo shoot or hiring more models so that you've got way more body types in your shoot. Like yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Money can just be better spent. Well, I like, I like celebrating. I like celebrating the wins and I like buying relatively nice things, but I don't. I Why remember. do you go for the $15 bottle of Carver? <laughs> <laughs> nah, like, nah. Yeah. That's now things right. have changed since then, but <laughs> I just remember being back then and being like amazing loads yeah. of money, but this has to go somewhere else. No, but I remember I was dating, I was dating a girl a couple of years ago and we're in the city and we went past the Rolex store and I thought looking at them like, oh, like yeah, sick. She's like, why don't you get one? I said like, why, why would I get Are one? you really frugal by the way? What's frugal? Frugal means like you, it, it really pains you to spend a lot of money on yourself. Um, yeah, I just, I just look at things money logically. Like yeah. if it's like going to actually serve, like change my life in, in a, in a valuable way. Yeah. But like, why would I get like, she's like, yeah, but you can afford it. But why am I going to spend 30 grand on a watch? Like, I don't care yeah. about stupid shit like that. Like I don't need to fly business every time. Like if I was flying in and flying out and I had business to do in a re important meeting or speaking out of, okay, then but like, I'm not just going to fly business just so I can flex and put it on my Instagram. I don't. I don't see the need and I think, I don't know, I think. See, that's because you're not flying to the UK on a 32-hour flight because that would make a huge difference to your back, your jet lag. Yeah. But no, I, I see the point, like spending that kind of money on experiences or on holidays. Yeah, holidays or on for sure, fucking earth. I want to ask and like don't feel like you have to reveal all your secrets, but for, there's so many people out there that 
have businesses. I want to start like something in fashion. And, and I know you do all the marketing and all the design in house. So like walk me through what's your process from like the point of you get like an idea of a new collection through to you sell out. Like, I just think it's really interesting. And I think you guys do it yeah. in a really individual way. Um, well, let's start with design. So on the design side of things, I will, I can be inspired by a variety of things, but I do actually try and stay clear of fashion and other brands and stuff as best as I can. Um, so whether it's like a certain nail art that I think could be really cool on the print. Actually, nails I take quite a lot of inspiration from. So um, the flame nails came in a while ago yeah. and then we did some flame body suits yeah. and stuff um, a good few years ago now. And um, yeah, I think I'll get inspired by something, whatever it is, the nail art, the this, the that. Um, and then I will start drawing in the early days, just pencil and paper. I actually have some really embarrassing screenshots of like pictures that I took of my old drawings and I was awful um but you can print off templates of people's bodies online and I would print off the body template and then I would just draw um nowadays I do it on the iPad just use my little apple pen I use procreate so you can do different layers and it's a lot easier than when you mess up or if you want to try new colors you can kind of like do it really easily or a different sort of um if you want a different line is it long line is it short you can kind of like look a bit better and, and compare them rather than having to draw each one from scratch. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll draw up the collection. Uh, I'll measure it up to how I want it to be. This was all, again, like I say, quite a steep learning curve because I, yeah. I didn't have the design background. Um, and then make a tech pack um, and a sample briefing document. Well, the tech pack actually comes a bit later, but similar thing, sample briefing document. So what kind of fabric do you want? Um, is there going to be removable padding? Do you want a waistband in there or is it just going to be the stretchy material? Like just details like that. Annotate it with a heap of details. How do you want the fastening to be? Yada, yada. Do all of the pictures and then work with our manufacturers to get the first sample. Sometimes, rarely, the first sample is amazing. Yeah. And at that point, we'll put the order in and one to two months later, it'll land. Uh, as soon as it's landed with us, we'll book the photo shoot, book the models, book the photographer, um, book the studio we used to do but now we have a studio that we can kind of share within the yeah. office space we're at um do the shoot and then it all happens really quickly so we do the shoot we tell our stockists as well like hey this is coming here's some like pictures of it laid out on the floor please <laughs> use your brains you know to yeah, like yeah. imagine what it would be like um and then from the shoot we usually get the pictures back within a week and then we'll decide as a team right we're launching either next tuesday or next thursday and we'll put them online and do all of the sneak peeks on the Instagram and the stories, get all the imagery out to everyone who needs it and launch. So that would be the shortest period. But usually the samples come in. Then a few months later, we'll have more samples. Then it takes another six weeks and more samples. Then Harriet was too busy, so it took her three weeks before she even gave feedback. Sometimes yeah. it takes up to two years, honestly. It's been, like, crazy. And then you get to your final sample point, and then they go, oh, that fabric actually isn't um, available anymore. And you're like, oh, no. Um and then if I want a printmaking, I actually still get the girl. It's this place called Bobbin and Ink. Shout out to Bobbin and Ink. They're really great. And they're the place that taught me how to screen print that I used to screen the T-shirts along Parramatta Road in Sydney. Yeah. So um, she does a bit of graphics and stuff as well, and she's really good at making prints. So if I want to print, I'll be like, hey, can you use these colours? Here's some nail art or whatever it might be. The swirly this way, yada, yada, yada. And then we'll do a few iterations of that. And that's what I used to to kind of get the prints done. What sort of issues are you like, obviously you, you guys have quite like 
there's quite a lot going on with them. Like the fit is massive for mm. what you guys do. But what are the main issues that you get back from like the, the sampling? Um, there's never issues with the sampling. It's more just trying to on changing it and saying it's gaping a bit here or this just doesn't fit right here. I think for me it's really hard because I'll try it on me and a couple of people in our team will try it on. Um, but it would be good. But, you know, you only have as many resources as you have, yeah. but it would be good to have more time, more fit models. Um, by fit models, I don't mean like physically fit. I mean to fit the product onto of different um, yeah. body types. And yeah. and that's definitely something that I want to focus on in the next year or so. And, um, yeah, now that I'm teaching at the dance studio too, I'm like, oh, your body's this shape. Yeah. We don't really have that yet. Can we can we try this on you? Um, and then, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's the process, I guess, from – from start to finish. So you just start with pen and paper and then get a bit more advanced and move over to an iPad. But honestly, I'm doing my designs like on the couch with a glass of wine. Just yeah. when that, I feel inspired part, right? and I get that energized, like, yeah. And getting samples through is so exciting as well. Like yeah. I love it. I'll be watching the tracking and sometimes it says it's delivering that day and then it's not and I go home really uh, sad. And sometimes I've not even been at the office and I've seen it's arrived and I'm like, cancel the plan. Like, I've got to go in. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially when they're like exciting samples. Yeah, for sure. And how about the marketing side? Has that changed a lot in the last five, six years since you've launched? Oh, yeah, we're much better and we have a team to help now. So that's nice, not doing it on my own. Um, yeah, it has changed. I think I think in the beginning, though, we were actually a lot more innovative and organic. And then since we've grown, I think we want to maybe take a look at what we're doing and see how we could do things differently again because very quickly things are changing yeah. all the time. So if you want to actually not only bring out unique products but – unique ways of marketing them and different ways of of doing them um then yeah you've got to have your finger on the pulse a lot even just like the pictures the kind of photography that you take you're doing something really cool you go that works but then a year later you're still doing it Completely, but everyone's doing it yeah, then and you want changes. to be like oh how can we make this a little bit different how can we make this marketing campaign like pop and not just be like someone against a gray wall um, I want to change pace a little bit. I, I wanted to ask you before and then we just start going on and on. But we Waffling on we Waffling did. and on. I'm bad. I'm bad. Um, but we're talking about the sacrifices you have to make being an entrepreneur, being a, a business owner. And like I want to know for yourself, what, what are some of the personal sacrifices you've had to make to, yeah. to keep the business going and to achieve the success you've achieved? Um, personal health, like not working out as much, not having time to – buy healthy, cook healthy, eat healthy, because you just like, oh, I'll just grab a sandwich or I'll just bang something in the microwave. So definitely a little bit of personal health, but the the main sacrifices I would say is is time. Like I'm not going on nice holidays because I'm spending my personal money going to China. That was like the early yeah. days, you know, and stuff. But um, yeah, so there was a lot of sacrifices there, not not doing the holidays, doing doing the business trips and going to China and literally like, you know, it's not the best, especially fun, when especially when you don't oh I go to some quite rural places, but especially when yeah, you don't eat meat and me. for two weeks like mm. you don't eat meat and you're in China and you're living on nothing basically. Yeah. Um so that was that was one of the sacrifices, certainly doing nice things. I think um sacrifice also of just never having time off. Like there isn't a holiday that I have been on in the last six years where I haven't at least done a couple of hours a day of just getting A, a to B to C done. You, you never just have two, three days where you're not doing anything, where mm. you can just switch off your phone. Uh, sacrifice a personal life, 100%, because not going out on the weekends, half the time as well, like I, quite occasionally, but especially over the last few years, 
um, and like pre-COVID, never going out on the weekends because if you go out on the weekend, you've written off the next day as well and you can't afford that time. So then you you sacrifice friendships. Like, I don't think I've particularly like lost any friends. They're still there. But I've sacrificed quality time with my friends. I've sacrificed quality time with my family all for the sake of hopefully, well, A, like believing and putting that love into my brands, but B, in the future, being able to to have that and to do more for them and, and be free enough to do so. But even even going back and spending like Christmas with my family, I've got all these stresses going on and I'm trying to put on my brave face and yeah. live in the moment. But the reality is I'm not fully living in the moment and I'm waking up early to do A, B and C and then I'm kind of working at night and they've got like the Christmas movie on, but I've still got my laptop so I'm doing some bits and bobs. And yeah, I think the sacrifice has definitely been social life, general holidays, living, having fun, because there's always been something else that I have prioritised over it, yeah. And then those friendships, not putting the time into them, family, not putting as much, not spending as much quality time with important people in my life as I would have liked to. And that's a sacrifice that I would take again because I'm still there for people if they need me, but I, yeah, really want to get to a place where I'm able to spend a lot more quality time with friends and family, for sure. And do you have any regrets? Like, probably a few that I could be like, oh, but I learned a lesson from that. But I'm like, no, I just kind of wish that we didn't make that choice because A, A, B or C happened or um, no, I, I, none that I would probably go into. I'm I'm exactly the same and I don't know if it's coping mechanism or like <laughs> protection mechanism or, or it really is the right mindset to have. I, I really do 100%. I see all failures or things that I, I, I maybe shouldn't have done if I had the, the, the knowledge as all as lessons and failures are lessons and redirections. Like I really think like you need to live that way. Like you're on this journey and this purpose. If, if Harriet didn't go through this, she wouldn't have this understanding or this perspective. So I don't have any regrets mm. either. Like there's things where, Hey, if I did this instead of that, I would have been a lot happier for this couple of months or I would have made a lot more money. But regret, nah, like, and, and I think I can see it's it in the way though, you speak. It's always situational as well. Like I don't have any regrets in the hope that I will get a lot more quality time with my family, for example. And mm. um, But I've been lucky enough to not really lose anyone in the last couple of years. Whereas maybe if something had happened to someone close to me, I'd have been like, fuck, I, re- I really wish I'd have spent more time with that person. Um, and yeah, like I don't have kids or anything, so I'm not like missing crucial parts of their upbringing. But um, yeah, th- there is sacrifices in what business a, and I suppose you've got to choose whether to take them or not yeah. and whether you want to and whether it's worth it for you as well. I feel like with, with things like this, you just really need to trust your intuition, trust mm-hmm. your gut, you know what I mean? Yeah. With, with making these sorts of sacrifices and I feel like I've never really had to make it a, a, a choice about do I make a sacrifice or not, whether I chose to be with friends or a partner or to do a certain thing or not. I never, not ever once did I stop and think, hey, I need to make a choice here. I always just knew instinctively, hey, I should be working. I should be building this. I don't have time for whether it be a girlfriend at that time in my life or I don't want to go on a, sure, I'd love to go party with my friends in Europe for a month, but hey, I've got responsibilities here. I never really felt like I was faced with a decision, like, do I make this sacrifice? I feel like if you can, if you're in tune enough with yourself and like I can see the passion that comes from me when you talk about why it's so important that yeah. your brand succeed and why you build all this. I don't think it's like. I don't think it was ever a specific choice. Though, yeah, for that's me. A, yeah. I actually think looking back, I just, maybe I wish, maybe I do have regrets, but looking back, 
I think I was so obsessed with my business. I still am, my businesses, my brands. So obsessed with them that actually I struggled to be present with my family. That's it. That's what it is, present and with your friends. And that, yeah, you can't really talk about anything else. You get get into a spiral where you're like, wait a minute, is this my personality? Is this my (laughs) identity? And you have to remember, actually, like I'm interested in other things. Um, and I have more more to me than yeah. just talking business chat. But when you are growing a business, it's so all-consuming that all you kind of think about is is the business. So I think, yeah, the sacrifices. I, I definitely want to be more present with people in the future and, and value their time more now that I've built it up. Because we all talk about the hard graft, and I know it carries on. But six years in now of graft, like it is time, mm. you know, to kind of have more of a balance. And there is time for graft, but there's also time for because otherwise, what's the point if you don't have important relationships with the people mm. that you love? And and what about since you've been in Australia dating and relationships, has that been affected much by business or? I wouldn't say it's been affected by business. I was in a long-term relationship and we broke up just before COVID. Um, he was always super supportive. Also, he's quite independent. He had his own stuff to do and mm. he was quite happy to just like kick back and chill in the evenings yeah. while I was working and we'd have dinner together and stuff. So if anything, I think that um, he was a help, like a support, yeah. because it is nice when you've had a really rough day to have someone who's, A, really quite funny and can make you crack a smile when you feel like the devil herself, like mm-hmm. really angry or really bothered or run down about something and then you've got a joker and they make you crack a smile. And that's really like a nice relief. I think that's actually something that I'm missing now and during lockdown, certainly, for sure. So... He was definitely a support. And it is nice also just to have a cuddle at the end yeah. of the night. So I think actually for me, having a relationship was really, like, if anything, ha- helpful. Yeah. Um, and also it's always good to have a pair of strong arms when you need to move some boxes, some rope some people in. Uh, so, no, it was fine for me. I do think um, now I'm definitely in a different – because we were together for – God, five years. So the come up, he was kind of yeah. He he saw it all. He saw the t-shirts. He saw the this. He saw that. I met him when I was first in Australia. Yeah. So when I went back to the UK for ten months, we were doing the long distance mm-hmm. thing then. So he saw it all, and we're still good friends. Yeah. Um. And, but I think now I'm in a very very different place, and I would definitely need someone busy. And also, it is, it's just hard because you don't meet many people who kind of understand sometimes the kind of support or just what it's like and because they're like why can't you just shut off from it or I don't know or people just don't have time to to deal with it I guess it's it's all about I feel like compatibility and like Mm. finding finding the person that that has their own life and that fits in with yours not you have your life and they drop everything and just are consumed by you but that person that like because I I didn't like I've been with my girlfriend now since maybe six months or something. But before this, I was single. Well, I had another largely single yeah. for the last six <laughs> years because I was so busy and um, I'm so focused on all my goals and everything I want to achieve. And I will never, I will no person, let alone myself, if they ever wanted me to sacrifice that, then they're not the right person. Yeah. I can't change who I am. I won't change who I am. Sure, there's things I want to grow and improve on in myself personally, but I am who I am. I'm passionate. I'm hardworking. I like to get things done and achieve things. And it's like, if I didn't, if I like, couldn't be with someone that understood that and, and, and accepted that and not only accepted that, loved those qualities mm. about me and, 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 and like, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think, um, yeah, I think you can't have someone 
as a partner who's going to be like, oh, come on, you need to go to bed now. Like, you're doing too much. Or give me attention. Or you don't give any effort to the relationship anymore. You don't have time for this. Like, I, I wouldn't be that person to someone else either. Like, no. if they're growing their dream and going for it, you you support them. And if you're with a partner that isn't supporting your dream and therefore your dream is being compromised by that, I, I think that's toxic. I don't think it's a good thing. I think if someone is going to be their own person, be independent, let you grow and come on that journey with you, but also, you know, not complain that you don't get to do A, B, and C. Like, within reason, obviously, like, oh, I want, I want you to come on all these holidays with me. Then, no, I can't, I'm busy. But it's very different to, hey, can we actually just make sure we have a date night once a week? Like, that, you know, that's For fine. Sure. That's a different level. Um, maybe it's different because I'm, I'm a woman and you are a man. But maybe, for me, I think it's quite hard because the kind of person that I am, like that kind of leader, alpha yeah. thing, um, I like I want someone who's more of an alpha than you. And it's really yeah. hard yeah, yeah, yeah. to find someone who's more of an alpha than me because I am a really strong personality, yeah. but also in a relationship I don't like to be the yeah, the yeah, alpha. Yeah. I like to because I'm like that in every other aspect of my life, mm. I like to take a step back in that yeah. scenario. And yeah, as a woman, like being being that alpha, needing someone who's more alpha, yeah. more confident, more more dominant than you, when you're so dominant in every other aspect of your life is is hard. I reckon that's where I've found it trickiest that's where I've had challenges in the past with relationships it's like because naturally I would find myself with quite outgoing and confident people as well mm. and I don't mean this in any way it was never a competition and like I didn't ever look at it like that and it's like I remember I was with one person and they were she was a Scorpio as well and I don't know if you're into star signs or all that shit but anyway <laughs> like she like there was she came into the relationship with like oh I'm this Scorpio you know, all that, what, what that stands for. And I was just so much more that, that naturally. And I'm not trying to, you know, in, in, like enforce my energy or my presence on anyone or be a boss when I'm at home. Like I do enough of that, but it was just like, like a lot of people when in their world, they are that dominant one. And then they come in and like the energy level just isn't at that match. It just doesn't work. Mm. It's so forced and people feel really uneasy and they don't quite understand why. It's just, I think like energetically, it needs to just click. And not just with relationships, with friendships, with friendships as well, a hundred percent. Like friendships, relationships. When you are a certain person in your business world and you're so immersed in that, you need people that will either bring you, you know, out of it or uplift you and, and bring a different um mentality to the picture. And if you've got anyone who's like either bringing you down or kind of being a bit of a dampener on things or yeah, you, you want complimentary people around yeah. you. And there's that saying, isn't it? Uh, you are the average of the five people closest to you. Yeah. And I really think that that is so true, not just from a, not just from a, oh, but if you've got five friends that are really killing it, they can kind of help you out and you can all help each other. Not it's like not that. like no. that. It's more of a, um, just surrounding yourself with good people that are, that are right for you is really important. And people who aren't adding stuff to your life you shouldn't have them in your life. Not if they're not adding at that moment because they're going through a rough time. That's of very course. different. You've got to stick by the people that you care about. But, yeah, if someone isn't adding to your life, we're all grown. We're all changing heaps. We all change heaps throughout our 20s. We all change so much from when we're kids. And sometimes you drift apart and people just aren't meant to be on your path and you're not meant to be on theirs and cut them. Because you don't have time when you've got a business. You don't have time yeah. for 80 mates. No, that's the thing as well. And you have to be... When you're like this and when you have so much going on in your life, and that's why I feel so grateful for my friendship group, is like we, we still do see each other quite a lot because we, we have that same core group from high school. We've been friends. Mm. Like I've friend, like some of my best friends I went to kindergarten with 
So we've been able to keep that really cool. But there's times where it's like some like we might all be really busy or someone's living interstate. But it's never when we come back together this judgment of why haven't you been messaging me every other day and checking in. It's like, cool, we all understand. We love each other. We'll always love each other. But life happens, you know what I mean? We ought to follow our own paths and it's like it's like with my family, we always joke because we don't live in the same like everyone lives around around the country. And um, we always joke that we only ever see each other at weddings and yeah. funerals. And I kind of think the same with friendships. Like you only really chat to them, not at weddings and funerals, but I mean good times. So you celebrate the wins or bad times. Like if someone needs some support or some help, you might call them up. You need In, in the in-between, you don't need to be checking in with each other heaps. You celebrate your wins together and you get through your, your darker times together. Weddings and funerals, that's what but it like, is. But you can go eight months without talking but, to them and they're not – constantly wanting something from you or energy or this or that. And the, and the reason I have such like my core group of friends that I'm really close to is it's like, you know how you said when you're hanging out with people and it's like, oh, wait, am I having this business? Is that my personality? I kind of had the opposite experience. I didn't feel like I was doing that. I feel like at times when I'm hanging out with people that I potentially don't, aren't my closest group of friends, you're going to a party or a dinner or what, and there's, there's fringe people in your life mm. and you go hang out with them and you've just been working all week. And it's like the last thing I want to do is is talk about business. And then everyone's like, oh, so what's been going on? How's work? Tell me, like, oh, you started business. Tell me all about that. And I'm like, fuck. I don't want to tell the story. Let's see if that changes with your new clothing thing, though, because that's more close to your heart. How do you feel like your growth journey has has gone? Like, was this something that was conscious to you the whole time or you only realized it more recently? Like the business's growth? No, or your my... personal growth. I've not had time to stop and think. That's what I mean. So, yeah, I probably haven't. I think um, in the next couple of years, I'll probably be doing quite a lot of reflecting. Um, and I'm writing a book as well. And I think writing is really interesting. So, um, oh, I also have a planner. And, like, at the end of every month, you, like, say what you're grateful for and what you've learned and da-da-da. And at the end of the year, I go back through that planner. And it – because – when you're so busy and when you're so hectic and all over the place and like running a million different things, you kind of never stop to think. But I always, at the end of the year, I go back through the planner and I like look at the to-do list because the to-do lists are in the planner. Everything's in the planner, the to-do list, the personal stuff, the wins, the the crap bits, everything, um, and all the learnings. And I'm like, oh my God, like I can't believe I was that person in January and I'm this person in December. Yeah. So I think I, I've changed like a considerable amount, um, but... It, it's really hard. I don't think I've had enough time self-reflection-wise to completely figure out how I've changed and which mm. bits are for good and which bits are for bad. Well, I actually have a photo to show you. Um, oh, my yeah. God. What? Oh, they're awful. What words? Ah! Don't worry about how you look. What ah. What words come to mind when you look at this, this girl? God. Ah! <laughs> Oh, I don't know what words come to mind, but it makes me feel really nostalgic because actually looking at these, like, fuck, I have changed a lot. Mm. I don't mean appearance-wise, but yeah. from that person. Because the one on the left was my last exam and the one on the right, I'm pretty sure, is a toilet selfie of me in, in Warner Brothers. Not actually in the toilet, but, you know, in the, yeah. in the bathrooms. Um, what year is that, 2015? It says 2015, 2015. Yeah. June 2015. Yeah, June 2015. So that that was before I, I first moved to Australia as well. And geez, yeah. And if you were going to give this girl like some words of advice, what do you think you'd say? 
Oh, I don't know. Dye your hair brunette quicker. <laughs> Stop straightening it. Um, I could. Oh, I could say like, don't let stuff get to you as much. Try not to overthink. But honestly, I feel like all of those things, like things, get to me. Like when something goes wrong with the business, they get to me. But that means that I, I work so hard and I can't sleep at night. And yeah, it's not great when you've got insomnia and stuff. But like, I will make sure that they're fixed. And I think that's why the businesses are where they are today and why I am so kind of glad that I've overthunk and I'm kind of glad mm. that I've let stuff get to me to get to this point. But now I'm giving myself this advice to yeah. not overthink so much and yada yada. But, oh, my God, yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, anyway, I just know you've been through. Like, you've done so many cool things that, like, I don't, like, we're talking, I've got all my cool stories and then you've got all your cool stories. And I just think the amount of things that you've been able to overcome... I thought I would be super strong. I didn't have like the best upbringing, and a lot I lost a lot of people that were very close to me um, when I was like late teens and early twenties. And I honestly just thought I was so strong, um, and that I could handle anything, and that I'd already been through so much shit, so I could I could handle anything. And I mean, it just keeps coming, doesn't it? Sometimes in life, and life can um, be really hard. And I think I've realised that. I don't know. I thought I was so strong. Like in this picture, this girl, I thought that I could overcome anything because I'd lost so many people. I'd had so much like trauma and shit and crap. And I thought like, I'm super strong. Like nothing can phase me, but it still can. Yeah. And that feels really strange. And like it's sometimes it's the strongest people from the outside that really behind closed doors when they go home at night and they're alone. It's not always the case. No, it's 100% you know I mean? not, yeah. And like, because part of the, the energy that you have to spend is putting on this like strong face so you're not worrying your, your, the people around you, your family, your friends, your mm -hmm. team, if it's like if you've, got a, if you've got a business that you run. Yeah, I just think it's important that like, I just don't think on like particularly like you spend so much time on Instagram with our businesses. No one ever talks about the struggles or the hard parts about being in business or like the lonely nights really. Enough. Yeah, but I feel like when you do, part of it, uh, if you do it, one, in my head, it sounds a bit like you're looking for some people to be like, are you okay, hon? Mm. And also too, like, obviously you, you kind of don't want to post a picture when you're looking like rubbish, like, by the way, I've not slept and life <laughs> is crap today. Like, you don't want to yeah. post that. And I know it's um, like Instagram and stuff is for the best self. And then now there's like this movement to be like, here's me not in my best self. But I don't know, I'm trying to kind of come off it all a little bit because to me, sometimes it comes across as authentic. But to me, I only ever post when like, I feel like I'm I'm ready to or, the, or, or that I want to talk about stuff. And I like to keep a lot of stuff hidden, not because I'm not trying to show the good, the bad and the ugly, but because it's personal to me and I don't feel like... The people that need to know, know. Yeah. You know what I mean? My friends hear enough of it. They're, yeah. they're hearing it all from yeah, me. Yeah. I don't need to tell Instagram yeah, because yeah. my Instagram isn't just friends. It's like a little random people too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the cynic in you as well though, huh? It is the cynic in me. Yeah. It just I, doesn't feel natural to me. And so. that's what I mean. And I feel like, yeah, we, we all have different like values and things. And I think it's this from the same places you're not wanting to talk about all this stuff because it feels. But I wouldn't want to post a story and be like, Hi, everyone. I'm feeling really lonely tonight because I, I feel like people would be like, oh, what an attention seeker. And also, I don't want to put it there. Yeah. I want to put it to the people I care about. Yeah. Message it's, in the group chat. Give me some attention. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Well, look, it's not everyone's role to talk about, but I think I, I like particularly not, like you said, while we're going through it, no one wants to talk about it. But like once you get to the other side, 
I think it's starting to like more people are starting to be okay. Like mental health and particularly like the suicide rates as men, like over the last couple of years, mental health slowly people are more open to talking about it. Mm. Like if it's not while they're going through it, while the, when when they've got through it, just so like because there's so much stress and there's so much pressure put on young people in business, like out of high school, and they see all these people making money or drop shipping or whatever it is to succeed. And when they don't, like they feel like they're the only one with these problems. They're the only one who feels like this. And it's just not the case. Yeah, you know what it, I mean? it's really – I think if you're starting to feel pretty unfulfilled, you need to do two things. Ask yourself what actually makes you happy and what you love in life. And if you don't know where your actual career and life's going yet, that's totally fine. But if you love, like, I don't know, playing games, like sign up to a sports yeah. team or whatever it might be, and then – Secondly, if you are starting to feel real down and out, like delete Instagram. I'm not saying you need to delete it, like delete your account, but delete it off your phone yeah. for a few days so you don't have that app there. It's distracting. And then you get into this like absolute spiral of seeing everyone having fun, everyone having fun, everyone having fun. And and it's depressing. And that's not actually how their lives might fully be. But obviously we want to talk about like, hey, here's me and my friends. And yeah. you want to post that. And that's a nice thing to post. And it kind of is like a, a scrapbook of it or whatever. Yeah. But actually... You get so you can get so overwhelmed, I think, with constantly all the different apps and everything showing you it's an amazing life. And yeah, sometimes you just gotta take a step back and be like, look, I love being out in nature. I need to go camping or I need to do a trip with these two people that I feel like yeah. make me feel happy and yeah. they know me to my core. Um and get get offline a little when, bit. When it gets to that point, I couldn't agree with you more. And sometimes I think it's even more than that. It's not just like, okay, I think that's a really good step if you're just overwhelmed and you've had like a really rough month at work to go for the weekend, grab your girls or grab your guys and go camping or glamping, whatever it may be, get out there and enjoy yourself. But then when you get home, if you fall back into three months later in the same place, I think we just need to try more things like, like explore, play mm. a sport, like start learning an instrument, try all these things. Go to a pole dancing class. Go to a pole dancing class. I'm like, whatever it is. Cause people don't like, we, I feel like we kind of went into our, like, with COVID especially, everyone went into, like, their shells and, like, try things more, meet new people. Like, now everyone meets everyone on a dating app, which is, like, that's just fine. That's fine. That's reality now. It's the most efficient way. But, like, what did people used to do back in the day? They actually had to go out, dance, try, like, try different things. And I, I know so many people be like, oh, look, like, they'll, like, come to me for <laughs> advice or whatever. And they'll be like, I don't know what to do next. And, like, expect kind of someone to give them that answer. But no one can give you, your answer. You're the answer. You just need to, like, start, okay, is there anything inside that you feel like you can explore? If not, just try shit. And don't just, like, ask yourself, like, I, well, I find this really helpful, but write it down, like, write how you're feeling, list the things that you like to do, list the things that you think would make you happy, um, and list the things that have made you happy in the past. Um, and it is hard as well, depending on what situation you're in, because we can say, try this, try that, but almost if you don't have the cash to sign up to like a pole dance class or whatever it might be. Like there are limitations and obviously we have to take that into consideration in people's situations. I mean, one of the main reasons I'm living in Australia is because I love the na I love nature, I love the outdoors. I'll tell you two things I hate, rain and cold. So even though a lot of people in the UK would be really happy going camping for a weekend in Scotland and like really roughing it, it's just, I, when I get cold, I can't warm up. I think it's my circulation. But honestly, I cannot warm up and I'm just miserable. So I didn't get enough time. This is why we're such big drinkers in the UK because yeah. what do we what have do to do? do? The pub. That's what we do and it's great. And that's why the UK makes so much good music because musicians, they're, in, they're inside, they're in pubs, they're playing gigs and the UK has amazing talent with music. 
I can't single play an instrument or anything, and it's it's really not my passion or anything that I'm you can, particularly you interested in. Absolutely not. <laughs> but um, I I love nature. I love getting out in it, and I love camping. And in Australia, you can do that so easily, and yeah. it's so beautiful. So it's one of the reasons I moved over here because that's something that makes me happy. But then there's this whole hard twist because I'm very far away from my close friends. I'm very far away from my family, and it's really hard to build support group especially in a city where most people are still mates with the mates from school live with their families for quite a while they all have their own that everyone's already made their friends and already met with the exception of then the occasional backpackers but they come through they're here to travel they're not here to like settle down they, they like to do different things and then after a year they're gone as well so that is hard like I'm in a country that I love that feels like home um and in an environment that allows me to do the things that I like to do in the sunshine and be out in it. But there's also the sacrifice of, yeah, being being away from the UK. That's such a good point. And I, I know we spoke about that that first time we we, we caught up and I, and I never really thought about that, that like I'm the prime example, lived at home later. I have my same friends as I'm with high school. It's like, how, how do you go about finding a new crew? Did it take a while to like... Let me know. I'm, I'm working on yeah, it. Yeah, still, what, six years? How long have you been in the country? Well, you said it before, seven years-ish? Six years-ish. I had family who were in Perth, but they moved back. That was hard because mm-hmm. at least they were, like, a short flight away, so I could go there for, like, yeah, Christmas short stuff. five hours. It's just a short five hours. It's, it's a lot well, quicker than... that's the thing that sucks in Australia. In yeah, day. I love to travel, but well, everywhere is 12 hours away on a plane, whereas Europe, at least you can, you know... Yeah. Everywhere's there. It's it's right there. But you don't make the most of it when it's right there. Like, I've travelled Australia more than most Australians have. Yeah. But then when they're like, oh, do you just flit off to Europe every weekend <laughs> when you're in the UK? And you're like, actually, no, not really. We should think the most of that a bit more. Um, no, I don't know. I've definitely made a lot of um, friends through through pole. That really helps, yeah. through pole dancing. So that's been good. Um, but apart from that, again, it's sacrifice. The sacrifice I said with regards to social life now that we're coming out of COVID, I'm only just starting to build my, I suppose, friends now. Mm. And it's still fresh and new for me because I was hyper-focused on my business. I had a boyfriend. His family were amazing. So they were like my family here. And so I wasn't alone on Easter. I wasn't alone. on Like I had that support and his friends as well. So occasionally we'd socialize and like we'd be with his friends. And then there was me. And then I had a few friends from pole dance, but that was about it. I just had my business and that was okay for me at the time. But then having a breakup and a month later going into a lockdown and then only just really coming out of COVID, it kind of does feel like I'm starting afresh. I feel exhausted. I feel burnt out. But I also feel like there's a lot. I feel very hopeful and I feel good. And I, f- I almost feel like I'm starting again. Yeah. In a way. There's a freeness in that. Yeah, there is. A hundred percent. And I feel like. Going. I'm so glad. And, and I hope you do more. What You're going to do whatever you want to do. I hope you do more because just listening to you, like I listen, I, I try and like put myself in the shoes of like a. 22-year-old, like, girl who's just come over and doesn't have many friends, but it's, like, inside they feel like they are on the right path, but it's not necessarily easy all the time. And I really think, like, one of the core things for me is I just love hearing stories that, like, can motivate and inspire people. And whether you think it or not, like, I really think what you're doing and what you've been able to do, easy or, or hard, is is really inspirational um, for a lot of people. And I just thought of something as well when you were talking we, we spoke about it earlier before we started recording, but want to know your experience. Obviously, you, you started this business in your early 20s as a female. Are there times throughout your business journey that you feel like being being a female, being a young woman has actually made it even more difficult? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, it has. 
Um, yeah, we we joked about this before, and um, I know I've like touched upon some points, but um, you're often not taken seriously. Um, you're not only young, but yeah, like a, a woman, and um, people can kind of say some really rude things, and you just think as if as if you're actually saying that to my face. Like, yeah. um, there's been don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of people who've been really great um, of all like ages and from all backgrounds and such, but. There's definitely been a lot of people that have been very dismissive, very rude. Um, when we, oh, many years ago, I was starting out and um, we got invited to this like science place process. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name, a sciencey place. Um, and I was invited and they were really interested in the leggings and they were like, we can help you develop this product and test this fabric and yada, yada, yada. Why don't you come by and have a look? So, I went and I went through the whole building and they were like showing me one, this, this older guy, he's showing me one room and he's like, and this room here is 10 times more like clean than an operating theatre and this room's equipment is costing this, I don't know. He showed me around, it was a lot of like lab coats and machines and stuff. Um, and then we went into this meeting room, we sat down and another guy came in and he, yeah, he started out and he, he started by saying, I mean... Yes, we could test this fabric and we could do this, but, um, I mean, you probably won't be able to afford it. And I was like, A, you've invited me, and B, like, as if you're saying that out loud to me, like, would you be saying this to me if I was 20 years older? Or would you be saying this to me if I was a guy? I don't know. So I looked him dead in the eye and I just went, why do you think that? Is it because I'm young or is it because I'm a woman? And there was this, like, silence, Whoa. right? Silence in the room and, like, the energy just went, oh, shit. He's like, um, kind of bumbled around, I'm not saying that, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, we did get a grant to be able to do it. Um, and to be honest, they were really inefficient as workers. And um, yeah, like we, we wanted them to do some stuff for us. We paid them and, and, oh God, it was very waffly and there was a lot of jobs worth there. So I don't even know if it was worth it. Um, but from me saying that, I was then taken way more seriously mm -hmm. by them. But it is hard because, like, do I have to be a bitch to be taken seriously at times? I shouldn't have to. Um, yeah, there's been multiple things. Like it's even, even harder if you guys open a bank account, right? Yeah. So um, I'll say it. Santander in the UK <laughs> did, like, a business competition um, and we got to the finals, uh, which was really exciting. Um, it was, like, super early days and um, we got to the finals and we were told – Basically, this lovely, lovely lady called me up afterwards and I was like looking for feedback on like what we could have done differently or why the people who won won rather than us. Or was it semi-finals? We'd got through a few stages. Yeah. And um, she was like, can I actually give you a call in a few days? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And she gave me a call to essentially be honest with yeah. me and was like, nah, yours is more viable. Yours was great. Um, but there was some feedback on we could have dressed more professionally I'm like I, I hope you're kidding because like I was wearing like black trousers and a blouse and the people who won were wearing jeans and a t-shirt but apparently we had to she was like I know this isn't right but overcompensate more like come suited and booted rather than office smart um because you're not going to be taken seriously because you're a pole dancer and because you're a woman <laughs> I don't know I don't know I added the woman bit on yourself but already I'm on the sexy side of things it's pole dance people go oh really that pole dancing thing you know like there's also that that people don't take seriously, even if you are a viable, profitable business with something really exciting and growth opportunities and opportunities to grow into different markets. Um, so there was that. And then they used us as their, like, 
my face was in part of their promotion for like supporting young female businesses. And I got in contact with the bank manager because I've been chasing for so long because it had been like, I don't know, it was a long time ago now, but maybe six months. And I still couldn't open a business bank account with them. But our male counterparts that had started a business who weren't trading yet, who weren't profitable because they weren't trading yet, and we were profitable and trading, um, they got a bank account approved straight away. Now, I don't know why it took us so long. We had the same guy. I don't, I don't understand why our approvals took so long. And then, um, yeah, whether we were going to get approved for a business bank account. And then eventually, we uh, very quickly got approved when I said I was going to write an open letter to say that we hadn't, to, to like the newspapers, to say, we haven't got a bank account with these guys, but you're using us in your promotion to show how you're supporting young female entrepreneurs. Like, bugger off. Yeah. So, yeah, even opening a bank account took us six months and other people got it in like a week. And I, I don't know. I mean, I couldn't, I could speculate, couldn't put my finger on what, but it was really interesting how quickly something that was out of their hands and just an approval process got sorted when I was like, wait a minute, you can't use me as part of your mm. young business promote, uh, you know. And then um, that competition I was talking about as well, um, the, the nice lady had given me feedback that someone on the judging board had said it was disgusting I'd even been allowed to like get through to the next stage more than apply you know disgusting that I was in that competition because it was pole like uh, that's a mess isn't it disgusting is quite a out there word like this woman is disgusted by the fact that I'm in a semi-final or a final whatever it was that I've even got to that point how could they let us through do you feel because I can't even comprehend it do you feel like because is is it were, and I don't want to make assumptions, I'm asking questions. Is it worse in the UK because there's so much old money and this class is more ingrained into society or is it nah, the same here? I think Australia is pretty conservative too and I, I think the UK is a lot more diverse and multicultural. I mean, still huge problems. Obviously, like a lot of places mm. have huge problems, but um, it's a lot more diverse, it's a lot more multicultural. When it comes to not being taken seriously by middle-aged and old men and having like weird comments at you yeah a little bit but the woman on the judging panel that told me was an ally and the woman that had called us disgusting was obviously not like that was from a woman that's saying that about about me that it's disgusting so um yeah I don't know I think there's just an older mindset and I think that it depends what little pockets you're in in any country really and you've got to learn to just to be honest, I'm kind of glad it was all said because it gave me a bit of fire to be like, nah, I'm going to show yeah, you, yeah. screw you, you know, um, and like do it myself. But it still, it still hits you a little mm. bit. And there's been a lot of people of all ages um, and a few like really older guys as well that have taken me really seriously um, and sort of been unofficial mentors or seen part of my journey and always been entirely respectful and obviously rated me really highly yeah. as a person and my business and they just find it amazing that it's this, this pole dancing thing that people are now doing in yeah. like a gym setting and um and I'm also very proud and very open and I'll be like yeah so yeah. for the shoes for example for strippers drag yeah, queens yeah, yeah. pole dancers I'm very open with that but yeah there's definitely been really hard times where certain comments have been made that obviously have stuck with me because that word disgusting has stuck yeah. with me for five years ago and that wasn't just someone in the audience. That was their judge. Yeah. All right, so we'll start to, to wrap up. Um, just one last thing I really want to ask. I just want to know what's next for Harriet. Oh, can I say it? Um, I am starting another brand. Exciting. 
he's exciting. Um, but I don't, I don't want to talk no, about no it No, no spoilers until it's ready. I'm yeah. really excited because it's, it's actually so amazing and it's completely separate to the oh. other stuff I'm doing. Um, so I'm really pumped about it, but yeah, it's way too early um, yeah. to like talk about it and why it's so different and why it's so unique because I've got to get there first, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, how far do you feel like what's the win? Like how long are we looking at? I wanted to launch August, but mm. yeah, I, I, COVID set everything back, I yeah. think, quite a lot. Um, yeah, next year or two. And like I'm 30 at the end of this year yeah. and I feel like my – 20s have just like absolutely flown <laughs> and so yeah I do want to like throughout my 30s what's next like throughout my 30s I want to have a family of my own um I want to travel a lot more see the world do some more trips I definitely want to start having more fun yeah more of a balance spend more time with friends yeah, yeah. all that stuff well cheers to that huh yay all right, there we go. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, could you please do me a quick favor and hit the follow or subscribe button? I honestly appreciate it more than you know. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.